Chapter Five, Part Two of Hilda Wade. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Hilda Wade, A Woman with Tenacity of Purpose by Grant Allen. Chapter Five, Part Two. The rest of the examination proceeded without a hitch. For a minute or two, it is true, I fancied that Sebastian betrayed a certain suppressed agitation, a trifling lack of his accustomed perspicuity and his luminous exposition. But after mendering for a while through a few vague sentences, he soon recovered his wonted calm, and as he went on with his demonstration, throwing himself eagerly into the case, his usual scientific enthusiasm came back to him undiminished. He waxed eloquent, after his fashion, over the beautiful contrast between Callaghan's wholesome blood, rich in the vivifying architectonic grey corpuscles which rebuild worn tissues, and the effect impoverished, unvitalized fluid which stagnated in the sluggish veins of the dead patient the carriers of oxygen had neglected their proper task the granules whose duty it was to bring elaborated foodstuffs to supply the waste of brain and nerve and muscle had forgotten their cunning the bricklayers of the bodily fabric had gone out on strike the weary scavengers had declined to remove the useless by-products his vivid tongue his picturesque fancy ran away with him I had never heard him talk better or more incisively before. One could feel sure, as he spoke, that the arteries of his own acute and teeming brain at that moment of exultation were by no means deficient in those energetic and highly vital globules on whose reparative worth he so eloquently discounted. Sure, the professor makes anyone see right inside one's own vascular system. Callaghan whispered aside to me in unfeigned admiration. The demonstration ended in impressive silence. As we streamed out of the laboratory, aglow with his electric fire, Sebastian held me back with the bent motion of his shriveled forefinger. I stayed behind unwillingly. Yes, sir, I said in an interrogative voice. The professor's eyes were fixed intently on the ceiling. His look was one of rapt inspiration. I stood and waited. Carmelage, he said at last, coming back to earth with a start, I see it more plainly each day that goes. We must get rid of that woman. Of Nurse Wade? I asked, catching my breath. He roped the grizzled moustache and blinked the sunken eyes. She has lost nerve, he went on, lost nerve entirely. I shall suggest that she be dismissed. Her sudden failures of stamina are most embarrassing at critical junctures. Very well, sir, I answered, swallowing a lump in my throat. To say the truth, I was beginning to be afraid on Hilda's account. That morning's events had thoroughly disquieted me. He seemed relieved at my unquestioning acquiescence. She is a dangerous, edgy tool. That's the truth of it he went on, still twirling his moustache with a preoccupied air, and turning over his stock of needles. When she is clothed and in her right mind, she is a valuable accessory. 
sharp and trenchant like a clean, bright lancet, but when she allows one of these causeless, hysterical fits to override her tone, she plays one false at once, like a lancet that slips or grows dull and rusty. He polished one of the needles on a soft square of new chamois leather while he spoke, as if to give point and illustration to his simile. I went out from him much perturbed. The Sebastian I had once admired and worshipped was beginning to pass from me. In his place I found a very complex and inferior creation. My idol had feet of clay. I was loth to acknowledge it. I stalked along the corridor, moodily towards my own room. As I passed Hilda Wade's door, I saw it half ajar. She stood a little within, and beckoned me to enter. I passed in and closed the door behind me. Hilda looked at me with trustful eyes. Resolute still, her face was yet that of a haunted creature. "'Thank heaven I have one friend here, at least,' she said, slowly seating herself. "'You saw me catch and conceal the needle?' "'Yes, I saw you.' She drew it forth from her purse, carefully but loosely wrapped up in a small tag of tissue paper. "'Here it is,' she said, displaying it. "'Now I want you to test it.' "'In a culture?' I asked, for I guessed her meaning. She nodded. "'Yes, to see what that man has done to it.' "'What do you suspect?' She shrugged her graceful shoulders half imperceptibly. How should I know? Anything. I gazed at the needle closely. What made you distrust it? I inquired at last, still eyeing it. She opened a drawer and took out several others. See here, she said, handing me one. These are the needles I keep in antiseptic wool, the needles with which I always supply the professor. You observe their shape, the common surgical patterns? now look at this needle with which the professor was just going to prick my finger you can see for yourself at once it is of bluer steel and of a different manufacture that is quite true i answered examining it with my pocket lens which i always carry i see the difference but how did you detect it from his face partly but partly too from the needle itself i had my suspicions and i was watching him closely just as he raised the thing in his hand, half concealing it, so, and showing only the point, I caught the blue gleam of the steel as the light glanced off it. It was not the kind I knew. Then I withdrew my hand at once, feeling sure he meant mischief. That was wonderfully quick of you. Quick? Well, yes. Thank heaven my mind works fast. My perceptions are rapid. Otherwise, she looked grave. One second more, and it would have been too late. The man might have killed me. You think it is poison, then? Hilda shook her head with confident dissent. Poisoned? Oh, no! He is wiser now. Fifteen years ago he used poison. But science has made gigantic strides since then. He would not needlessly expose himself today to the risks of the poisoner. Fifteen years ago he used poison? She nodded with the air of one who knows. "'I'm not speaking at random,' she answered. "'I say what I know. Some day I will explain. For the present it is enough to tell you I know it.' "'And what do you suspect now?' I asked. The weird sense of her strange power 
deepening on me every second she held up the incriminated needle again do you see this groove she asked pointing to it with the tip of another i examined it once more at the light with the lens a longitudinal groove apparently ground into one side of the needle lengthwise by means of a small grinding stone and emery powder ran for a quarter of an inch above the point this groove seemed to me to have been produced by an amateur though he must have been one accustomed to delicate microscopic manipulation for the edges under the lens showed slightly rough like the surface of a file on a small scale not smooth and polished as a needle-maker would have left them i said so to hilda you are quite right she answered that is just what it shows i feel sure sebastian made that groove himself he could have bought grooved needles it is true such as they sometimes use for retaining small quantities of lymphs and medicines but we had none in stock and to buy them would be to manufacture evidence against himself in case of detection besides the rough jagged edge would hold the material he wished to inject all the better while its saw-like points would tear the flesh imperceptibly but minutely and so serve his purpose which was try the needle and judge for yourself i prefer you should find out you can tell me to-morrow it was quick of you to detect it i cried still turning the suspicious object over the difference is so slight yes but you tell me my eyes are as sharp as the needle besides i had reason to doubt and sebastian himself gave me the clue by selecting his instrument with too great deliberation he had put it there with the rest but it lay a little apart and as he picked it up gingerly i began to doubt when i saw the blue gleam my doubt was at once converted into certainty then his eyes too had the look which i know means victory benign or baleful it goes with his triumphs i have seen that look before and when once it lurks scintillating in the luminous depths of his gleaming eyeballs i recognize at once that whatever his aim he has succeeded in it still hilda i am loth she waved her hand impatiently waste no time she cried in an authoritative voice if you happen to let that needle rub carelessly against the sleeve of your coat you may destroy the evidence take it at once to your room plunge it into a culture and lock it up safe at a proper temperature where sebastian cannot get at it till the consequences develop i did as she bid me by this time i was not fully unprepared for the result she anticipated my belief in sebastian had sunk to zero and was rapidly reaching a negative quantity at nine the next morning i tested one drop of the culture under the microscope clear and limpid to the naked eye it was alive with small objects of a most suspicious nature when properly magnified i knew those hungry forms still i would not decide often on my own authority in a matter of such moment sebastian's character was at stake the character of the man who led the profession i called in callaghan who happened to be in the ward and asked him to put his eye to the instrument for a moment he was a splendid fellow for the use of high powers and i had magnified the culture three hundred diameters 
"'What do you call those?' I asked breathless. He scanned them carefully with his experienced eye. "'Is it the microbes ye mean?' he answered. "'And what would they be, then, if it wasn't the bacillus of Piemia?' "'Blood poisoning!' I ejaculated, horror-struck. "'Aye, blood poisoning! That's the English of it!' I assumed an air of indifference. "'I made them that myself,' I rejoined, as if they were mere ordinary experimental germs. "'But I wanted confirmation of my own opinion. "'You're sure of the bacillus?' "'And haven't I been keeping swarms of those very same bacteria under close observation for Sebastian for seven weeks past? "'Why, I know them as well as I know me own mother.' "'Thank you,' I said. "'That will do.' And I carried off the microscope, bacilli and all, into Hilda Wade's sitting-room. "'Look yourself!' I cried to her. She stared at them through the instrument with an unmoved face. "'I thought so,' she answered shortly. "'The bacillus of Piemia, a most virulent type, exactly what I expected.' "'You anticipated that result?' "'Absolutely. You see, blood poisoning matures quickly and kills almost to a certainty. Delirium supervenes so soon that the patient has no chance of explaining suspicions. Besides, it would all seem so very natural. Everybody would say she got some slight wound which microbes from some case she was attending contaminated. You may be sure Sebastian thought out all that. He plans with consummate skill. He had designed everything. I gazed at her uncertain. And what will you do? I asked. Expose him? She opened both her palms with a blank gesture of helplessness. It is useless, she answered. Nobody would believe me. Consider the situation. You know the needle I gave you was the one Sebastian meant to use, the one he dropped and I caught, because you are a friend of mine and because you have learned to trust me. But who else would credit it? I have only my word against his, an unknown nurses against the great professors. Everybody would say I was malicious or hysterical. Hysteria is always an easy stone to fling at an injured woman who asks for justice. They would declare I had trumped up the case to forestall my dismissal. They would set it down to spite. We can do nothing against him. Remember, on his part, the utter absence of overt motive. And you mean to stop on here in close attendance on a man who's attempted your life? I cried, really alarmed for her safety. I am not sure about that, she answered. I must take time to think. My presence at Nathaniel's was necessary to my plan. The plan fails for the present. I have now to look round and reconsider my position. But you are not safe here now, I urged, growing warm. If Sebastian really wishes to get rid of you, and is as unscrupulous as you suppose, with his gigantic brain he can soon compass his end. What he plans he executes. You ought not to remain within the professor's reach one hour longer. I have thought of that too, she replied with an almost unearthly calm. But there are difficulties either way. At any rate, I am glad he did not succeed this time, for to have killed me now would have frustrated my plan. 
she clasped her hands my plan is ten thousand times dearer than life to me dear lady i cried drawing a deep breath i implore you in this strait listen to what i urge why fight your battle alone why refuse assistance i have admired you so long i am so eager to help you if only you will allow me to call you her eyes brightened and softened her whole bosom heaved i felt in a flash she was not fully indifferent to me strange tremors in the air seemed to play about us but she waved me aside once more don't press me she said in a very low voice let me go my own way it is hard enough already this task i have undertaken without your making it harder dear friend dear friend you don't quite understand there are two men at nathaniel's whom i desire to escape because they both alike stand in the way of my purpose she took my hands in hers each in a different way she murmured once more but each i must avoid one is sebastian the other she let my hand drop again and broke off suddenly dear hubert she cried with a catch i cannot help it forgive me it was the first time she had ever called me by my christian name the mere sound of the word made me unspeakably happy yet she waved me away must i go i asked quivering yes yes you must go i cannot stand it i must think this thing out undisturbed it is a very great crisis that afternoon and evening by some unhappy chance i was fully engaged in work at the hospital late at night a letter arrived for me i glanced at it in dismay it bore the basingstoke postmark but to my alarm and surprise it was in hilda's hand what could this change portend i opened it all tremulous dear hubert i gave a sigh of relief it was no longer dear dr cumberledge now but hubert that was something gained at any rate i read on with a beating heart what had hilda to say to me dear hubert by the time this reaches you i shall be far away irrevocably far from london with deep regret with fierce searching of spirit i have come to the conclusion that for the purpose i have in view it would be better for me at once to leave nathaniel's where i go or what i mean to do i do not wish to tell you of your charity i pray refrain from asking me i am aware that your kindness and generosity deserve better recognition but like sebastian himself i am the slave of my purpose i have lived for it all these years and it is still very dear to me to tell you my plans would interfere with that end do not therefore suppose i am insensible to your goodness dear hubert spare me i dare not say more lest i say too much i dare not trust myself but one thing i must say i am flying from you quite as much as from sebastian flying from my own heart quite as much as from my enemy some day perhaps if i accomplish my object i may tell you all meanwhile i can only beg of you of your kindness to trust me 
we shall not meet again i fear for years but i shall never forget you you the kind counsellor who have half turned me aside from my life's purpose one word more and i should falter in very great haste and amid much disturbance yours ever affectionately and gratefully hilda it was a hurried scrawl in pencil as if written in a train i felt utterly dejected was hilda then leaving england rousing myself after some minutes i went straight to sebastian's rooms and told him in brief terms that nurse wade had disappeared at a moment's notice and had sent a note to tell me so he looked up from his work and scanned me hard as was his wont that is well he said at last his eyes glowing deep she was getting too great a hold on you that young woman she retains that hold upon me sir i answered curtly you are making a grave mistake in life my dear cumberledge he went on in his old genial tone which i had almost forgotten before you go further and entangle yourself more deeply i think it is only right that i should undeceive you as to this girl's true position she is passing under a false name and she comes of a tainted stock nurse wade as she chooses to call herself is a daughter of the notorious murderer york bannerman my mind leapt back to the incident of the broken basin york bannerman's name had profoundly moved her then i thought of hilda's face murderers i said to myself do not beget such daughters as that not even accidental murderers like my poor friend legate i saw at once the prima facie evidence was strongly against her but i had faith in her still i drew myself up firmly and stared him back full in the face i do not believe it i answered shortly you do not believe it i tell you it is so the girl herself as good as acknowledged it to me i spoke slowly and distinctly dr sebastian i said confronting him let us be quite clear with one another i have found you out i know how you try to poison that lady to poison her with basili which i detected i cannot trust your word i cannot trust your inferences either she is not york bannerman's daughter at all or else york bannerman was not a murderer i watched his face closely conviction leaped upon me and someone else was i went on i might put a name to him with a stern white face he rose and opened the door he pointed to it slowly this hospital is not big enough for you and me abreast he said with cold politeness one or other of us must go which i leave to your good sense to determine even at that moment of detection and disgrace in one man's eyes at least sebastian retained his full measure of dignity end of chapter five part two read by lars rolander